It's the next level. Well, to get where we're going, you're gonna have to. Your fish ship has been marinating in chum butter. I'm gonna come out smelling like swamp butt. That'd be an improvement. to Pixels, Aquaman, and Glass Movies Review. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this week, we're actually going to review movies that are out in the theater. Uh, Steve and I actually went out and went to go see a movie. <laughs> Not together, but because no. <laughs> that's pretty far away. But uh, we actually, yeah, you went to go see Glass, and I went to go see Aquaman. I actually went to go see Glass and got some information, and uh, I, I thought it both were really good. Very cool, very cool. And uh, we might just, uh, before we get too deep into it, we'll let everyone know, this is going to be a spoiler-full podcast for Aquaman and Glass, so if you've not seen the movies yet or you don't want to be spoiled about anything, do not listen anymore because we're going to talk about all the, well, Mark's going to talk about all the deep stuff in Aquaman. Uh, I get it, what I did there with the whole sea thing? Ocean? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> He and I will talk about Glass at length because I have a lot to say about Glass. I enjoyed it. so Yeah, both were really good in my opinion. So you start off with Glass. Okay, let me. I've got some real short notes and then I've got some stuff that I'll probably interject uh, later on. It was really good. I, I liked it. I believe this is going to become a movie that people are going to love after multiple watches. Like I, I think the first time you watch it, you're going to say it's really great or you're going to say it's good. But if you watch it again, you're going to see all the more of the subtle things that are in it. And I'm looking forward to seeing it again so that I can look at more of those, those things. And I think that's kind of what M night Shyamalan was going for with these movies. There's callbacks in this movies to in this movie to both unbreakable and split and there's some deleted scenes that they use in glass that were not used in the previous two movies that help flesh out the characters and the, the trilogy aspect of it is really what intrigues me the most because it truly is a trilogy it's just like if you if you're a star wars purist and you love four five and six that is a pure trilogy those three movies together and that's the same with with unbreakable split and glass in my opinion is you have this first movie that kind of establishes our our main character the second movie ha- it kind of ends on a down note even though there, yeah, it ends on kind of a down note because the beast escapes and, and people are killed. 
but we get that moment of hope at the end of Split when we see David Dunn. And then here, the third part brings it all together. So I think this is going to be one of those one of those move those tr- movie trilogies that we don't talk about individually. And when I told people about Glass after I saw it, I told them you need to go watch Unbreakable and Split. There was one guy I, I talked to who wanted to go see Glass, but he had never seen Unbreakable. And I'm like, you need to go see. You need to watch Unbreakable. You need to watch Split. You need to watch these movies as a trilogy. I I, I truly believe that. Oh, I I agree completely. Uh, in order to embrace that whole M Night Shyamalan experience of this series you have to watch him like you have to literally watch unbreakable then split and then go see this movie yeah and my feeling would be once they release this on blu-ray they should release it as a trilogy blu-ray experience or download so that way people could just binge watch because you know that's what's going to happen with netflix Mm -hmm. and everything that we talk about normally that's what people will do and i would do that i would do that in one sitting because Initially, when I saw Split, I didn't see it as a sequel to Unbreakable at all until the very end where you see him and you're like, oh, no, (laughs) this is really another movie that we did not know about. And M. Night actually mentions that in an interview saying that he had that character in there in Unbreakable, but they told him to cut it down because it was diverging away from the David Dunn character or overseer in this movie as per se. So, you know, you got to see this as a complete whole, in my opinion. I love the movie. I really do. Um, I really liked it. It was really good. I love that this was the final movie within its own trilogy, a trilogy of movies that we didn't know we would have after (laughs) Unbreakable. You know, kind of like a mystery trilogy we didn't know was going to be a trilogy. I I thought Unbreakable was a great standalone movie, but never imagined that Split would be a sequel till I watched it at the end. Like I said before, it, it's you get that one little scene and then just you start to realize, oh, this is an M Night movie. Oh my goodness, this is the second movie. You know, it, it's amazing. This was the best out of the three movies, in my opinion. But then again, it's a trilogy, so usually the second is the best. In trilogies, because if you look at Star Wars, New Hope is like the beginning, everybody loves it, and then Empire is the best, and then Jedi is just Jedi. But in my (laughs) opinion, is that this was great in the sense that you get to see all three of these characters come together. And, you know, McAvoy was amazing with all these personalities. I believe they showed 20 of, maybe 21 out of the 24 personalities that he has. And he was able to go from one to the other with just shifting his sweater based on, like, little mannerisms on each personality. Like, he would tuck it. He would tie it in and out to be, like, a little girl. Cover it to be, like, an older woman. Take it off. Wrap it around his waist like uh, like a hoodie or something to be another personality. All these diff- All these little mannerisms. He was perfect i loved his the way he was able to go from character to character within just one you know pretty much what embodiment it's a horde of people so (laughs) yeah and i think that you bring up a great point and he he played that so well And, and you know in split we see a scene where he is one personality pretending to be another personality and the doctor sees through that and she knows it that that he's the other personality pretending to be Barry, you know that it's it's a uh, uh, Dennis pretending to be Barry, and in this one we get to see those shifts, and you can tell 
I think even, you know, just like you said, those subtle mannerisms and things in his face that we can even see even when he's in the, the one scene where he's in the cell and, and the guy is flashing the lights and he's switching from personality to personality to personality yeah. just seamlessly almost, you know, and you can tell there's there's a difference whenever something happens. So, yeah, that uh, that's really good. Yeah, the Beast was amazing. That's all I could say. That's that's what really attracted me to this movie, because. I really like Split. Unbreakable was great because we got that what in two thousand one. Uh, yeah, ni- uh, oh, uh, Unbreakable. Yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight. Uh, no, it was before two thousand. I know that. Correct. Really? So, oh. yeah, pretty sure. Hold on, I'll I will I will look that up. Go ahead and, and go with the rest of yours about Glass. Well, I'll continue on saying I love that Bruce Willis was not really in it that much. He, it really was mostly McAvoy-centric and Samuel L. Jackson-centric around those two characters, the basic plot of the villains. And, you know, Bruce Willis's character was the focus in the beginning, and that's where most of the scenes were. It made me think that the Doctor would be another hero or villain herself. We love, what was it, Sarah Paulson is uh, incredible in this. I loved her and. What was that? She was in American Horror Story. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, so 2000. So we were both right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <We're> 2000, <laughs> 2000, yeah. Um, and, and you're right. And one of the things that, that I found really interesting, especially right there at the end, before we get the, the reveal of what she is, is I did start to get a sense that there was like um like like you said like she was going to be some kind of super villain mastermind as well like there were parts in the in movie where i thought is she you know does she have some kind of a a special power that we're going to reveal and then of course at the end when she says david touch me and she knows that his power is going to reveal something to him yep i i really thought that was that was in it and we saw that meeting and then we get to see that meeting again you know, from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we get to see at the, the very end uh, or towards the very end, the meeting where she's going to move on to the next city where these these things are happening before, you know, before we get the reveal about what uh, what happened with uh, Mr. Glass. So, Yeah, but her character, if you think about it, they mention it. She goes to the comic book shop at the very end of the movie, and you hear a bunch of those comic book, and I hate saying it, but I'm one of them, one of those geeky, nerdy guys, and they're just, like, discussing about a comic book. And they were talking about the mastermind, which mm-hmm. was, like, you know, if you look in a the movie, they you don't see Marvel, you don't see DC, you don't see anything like that. They actually have mock-ups of comic books specifically for the movie, what they're alluding to based upon comics. So uh, they were talking about a character called The Mastermind, and it kind of, like, describes her to a T when they're talking okay. about it at the very yeah, I end. I see that. But that ending, oh my goodness, that was a great scene at the very end, how everything all comes together, the manipulations, everything. And I love how Glass sees, he's sitting there, and he's reveling in how he brought everything to be. And how he created what was it, Kevin's character or or his yeah. beast? Mm-hmm. All these, you know. He goes, "It took me nineteen years to create this, but I did." And he's reveling in his own creation of him. But yet, <laughs> you know, he gets attacked by his own creation. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's why I was I, I was thinking about the more and more as I thought about this today that it is a trilogy, but it's not just a trilogy; it's a tragic trilogy. Yes, because we have our three heroes dying at the end. Like I said, we're this is spoiler full. If you haven't seen the movie, the ending is is that this doctor is basically going around covering up the fact that there's superhuman beings on Earth, and. So we get the deaths of our three main characters, but we also get the 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 springing hope of we see our three peripheral characters. We see Joseph, Mr. Glass's mother, and then I can't remember her name. The woman, the the kidnapped victim, yep. uh, they're in the train station, and and you know they all are holding hands there at the end when they see this this reveal of this email that goes out that hits all these servers, and everybody's suddenly watching it on their phones. It's on TV. Everybody is seeing the character. They're seeing the beast transform. You know, they're seeing what Glass did. They're seeing David Dunn bend the metal. They're they're seeing all this stuff. And so suddenly, you know, Joseph gets the – and so it, you go back to that idea of when Mr. Glass says this isn't – what did he – how did he put it? He said this is an origin story. Yes. It's not, it's not their origin story. This is the origin story of all heroes. Correct. So – I, I would be excited, kind of. Like, part of me would be excited to see uh, M Night do another movie in this universe or another set of movies in this universe. But it would have to—he would have to, you know, come at it from a different angle. But part of me really says, just let it lie, just just leave it out there the the way it is. Um, that we that we now have a world that is similar to ours that has superhumans in it. You know, so so like I said, I'm I'm torn between whether I would want knowing that that he's he's been hit and miss with his career. Yeah. You know, no offense to to Mr. Shyamalan, but he's he's kind of been hit and miss. These three, as far as I'm concerned, these three movies just just knocked it out of the park. Oh, yeah. And especially when you when you get those deleted scenes that he has in Glass, that he has the 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 scene of Kevin and his mother at the train station waving goodbye to the train and you know I I saw an article before I went uh, to the movie I saw an article that was speculate that said there was speculation that after the movie split that Kevin's father was on that train because I think in split and I'd have to watch it again to, that he mentioned something about his father leaving and never coming back yes and. So there's there was speculation that the that the father may have been on the train, and then of course we get that we get that confirmation that that was the train. We get we get uh, the scene where Bruce Willis uh, where he talks to Joseph, and basically Joseph tells him, "Now I know that you really are a superhero," hmm. basically. And you know then and, and I love what you said about we we don't get a lot of Bruce Willis, but we get. We get a good bunch of this, you know, this aging kind of where age is starting to catch up with him yep. sort of thing. And Glass acknowledges that I can't believe it took, you know, 19 years from this train accident to today for me, for all three of us to come together and for me to realize what it was. And so you get the idea that even though, now don't get me wrong, he's a villain and he's pure evil. Mr. Glass is what he did, though, was expose the world to the fact that these sort of beings exist 
and that uh, that they're out there. And so that's uh, that's kind of cool to me. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm torn about whether I'd want to see more movies in this universe and how they would they would tie it all together. But I, I do love the more and more we see the little subtle things that, of tying these three movies together. The fact that the the girl, if you notice at the end, she works at the zoo now. Yeah, and that's where she was kept, and she has the jacket, and I'm assuming that's the same jacket that she had that she wore at the end of Split when they yeah. when they rescued her. So you know, we 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 get this we get this tie in of all the movies kind of together, you know, and uh, the the only thing that that would have made my day would be to see the the stockbroker guy and Jeb. Uh, <laughs> um, unbreakable you know and and i love the fact that that m night you know he his director um what do they call that you know his kind of his uh the thing he does in every movie oh his he, cameo his cameo yeah he inserts his cameo into every movie and he was able to take that character and reveal that it's the same character over in all three <laughs> yeah all three movies he's the guy who was who was at the 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 stadium he's the guy in split who was the landlord and now he's in here in glass buying the security uh equipment and stuff so it's really cool to to hear that and get those those callbacks and to see that that he was able to take one of his uh trademarks that's what i was looking for director trademark of inserting him into his own movie and actually all three of these movies it was the same guy so that's that's kind of cool yeah it's almost like a hitchcockian thing to do yeah exactly hitchcock used to do that all the time put himself in his own movies Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of other directors and uh, producers are trying to do that for years, but it seems like he's doing that himself perfectly where he's not a main character or anything. He's just a side character that you mm-hmm. just see and you go, oh, that's him. And, yeah. And it's amazing to see him. And the fact that, like you said, that it's the same character. He goes, when he was buying the security stuff and he was talking to the son about it, he go mm-hmm. and he recognizes, was it David or Jason? David. David, yeah, David, David Dunn. He he recognizes him as a security as being, guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "Oh, you, you, you know." He talks to the fact that that when he was a kid, I used to when I was younger, I used to run around with a bad crowd, and I used to yep. do drugs. And he says, "Oh, and you stopped me at the stadium one time. You thought I had drugs, but I didn't have drugs that day. That day, I love the way he put that in there because <laughs> it, it it kind of what it, one of the things that that scene did for me anyway was it was it was one of the only thing that we saw in Unbreakable that seemed kind of like a it was almost a point of where David started to doubt himself a little bit yep. in Unbreakable, and he was wrong about that. And so now here he is, you know, 19 years later, getting the confirmation from this guy that, well, yeah, maybe I didn't have drugs that day, but I, I, you know, did do that before. And so David actually, you know, it's it's kind of a backward, you know, confirmation to David that he's been doing the right thing this entire time, you know, yeah. and and I loved. You know, there was one thing there, too, with the doctor that was just her level of observational skills was really good because when she was trying to get David to doubt his abilities, you know, she says, here's the clothes that Kevin was wearing and he's got the red mud on his his the sweatshirt the, you know the sweatpants and she says maybe what it was was it, it isn't that you have some sort of superpower maybe it's just that you noticed this red mud and you noticed a adult man acting like a child and you knew from the news reports of 
the beast that he had multiple personalities and one of them was a child and you you'd heard the thing maybe about one of the bodies that had red dirt on it and so you put it together that this this might be the guy you don't actually have superpowers david you're just a very observational you know kind of detective and so she suddenly starts to get david to question himself mm-hmm. as well and which is which is interesting to me because we've seen him do some really incredible things that are way over the top and for her to have that level of manipulation like you said it, it does it does give you an idea that maybe she had some sort of a superpower you know that she's able to manipulate uh, these guys like that you know and you know she says we don't know what other you know city she's done this in and she does this well as well with kevin too about his personalities and what he could do as as the beast right when like bending the bars oh those bars were made in like the early 1900s they were made of this she goes i was able to do this with a wrench with some <laughs> pulling on the back of it and it was able to bend all these weird things just she makes yeah. them all doubt themselves and in order to way to in order to basically kibosh the idea that they are superhuman beings is that her power is that she's trying to destroy all yeah all superhuman beings you know it's it's kind of interesting and as you said before with at the very end she's doing these meetings and she's trying to rally people against or get them together to create some sort of organization to end or rid people of superheroes or super beings yeah it it seems like either she's either she's she's doing that or the the organization is already together and she's just she's yeah she's (laughs) their enforcement arm kind of because you notice like she had that same tattoo as the cop who killed david had they both had that clover leaf tattoo on oh, their I didn't wrist. See that. Wow. Yeah. So at the end, if you notice when he's when the cop is pushing David into the puddle of water, mm-hmm. we see on his wrist you see a little clover leaf tattoo kind of thing. And then when there's one point a little later when she when we see her hand and she has the exact same tattoo on her wrist. So it, it tells us that there's this organization out there that's that at least to me what is revealed is that there's an organization out there that wants to not let the world know that these uh that these guys are out there. So Oh, that's a good catch. That's almost yeah. like shield. Yeah, <laughs> Marvel, exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. That's that's why I said at the beginning I said you know this is one of those those movies that I think uh just like Unbreakable and Split that we're going to go back and you can watch it and and rewatch it and you'll see the the subtle things in there yeah. you know so all right so i got a quote yeah <laughs> from that. share your quote all right uh this is a quote from glass uh the doctor who sarah paulson plays says comic books are an obsession have you been to a comic book convention? They sell teen TV shows there. They're selling things there. Your your friends and family lost their perspective. Your dad is trying to fight her abductor. Your son is trying to best his dad. He's the anarchist. He's the brains. He's the reluctant hero. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Comic books are not valid history. Which is pretty funny, considering that if you look in our history, there's always good against evil. <laughs> there's always somebody that's mm-hmm. going to be the hero or somebody who's going to be the villain. Even in the Bible, there's uh, certain things that could be referenced as good and evil. 
and you see it it's cyclical it's something that happens in our in our world and what we see around us and I think that's why we're attracted to comic books. But I love how she breaks it down, and it's it, it sounds so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I love that because because you bring that that quote up, and and as you read it, I remembered where that quote came from because that is when she's talking to Joseph, the girl, and Glass's mother, and she's now she's manipulating them because you know Joseph here has been basically he's been his father's man in the chair for however many years and this girl says she saw the beast do things and of course uh mr glass's mother believes he's special and so now sarah paulson's character has to manipulate them into not believing as well and it almost makes you wonder if they might have gone after eventually gone after those three characters as well to kind of kill them yeah to keep them from spreading the the story so yeah yeah and that ending what they they were basically and they used and manipulated and used all the cameras and everything Mm -hmm. and it shows up at the very end I thought that was a a great ending in a sense, even though it was very tragic for the three people, Mm -hmm. you know, that we enjoyed watching over the past three movies. But the the people that remain that were close to them are the ones that are trying to bring out the truth. You you know, what's interesting is I I went to this movie with uh, with my best friend and with his girlfriend. And when we walked out, she had never seen the other movie. So we had kind of. Uh, explain to her what the the premise was going in oh, and wow. she enjoyed it and at but at the end she said something very interesting as we watched out the, walked out of the theater she said you you should have known it had to end that way because hmm. I, I think I said something like you know it's it's too bad they had to die and she went well it had to end that way she said because just look at it look at bruce willis as an actor look at at samuel L. jackson as an actor now james mcavoy he's still young but you know Bruce Willis. If this was going to start a franchise, you know he's he's getting up there to where you know he's not going to be doing these kind of things much longer. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so so she really put it in perspective for me that I went yeah, and that's when I started to think about the trilogy aspect of it and the fact that it's not a you know it's it's not a comic ending trilogy like Star Wars yeah. where where everybody survives. It's a tragedy it, because that's I mean that's what the if you know much about Greek. Uh, literature and, and, and Shakespeare's plays as well, yep. not just Greek, but any, any of those plays, that's what, what, what they call, when they call something a tragedy, they, they call it a tragedy because everybody dies at the end. Hamlet is a tragedy. Everybody yeah. dies at the end. Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy. Everybody dies at the end. When they call something a comedy, it doesn't necessarily mean it's funny. <laughs> it just means that they don't die at the end. Yeah. So, uh, so when you when you talk about tragic and comic kind of plays and, and you, when you talk about a comic or a comedy, it's not necessarily doesn't necessarily mean it's a funny thing. It just means that they they live at the end, or it's not a tragedy. Well, it's a pretty funny fact that they call them comic books, mm-hmm. and yet a majority of the comics that are out there are not really filled with comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at Watchmen. Um, okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we should move on to Aquaman. Yeah, what did you think of Aquaman? I thought it was really entertaining. Far better than what Justice League was. DC seems to be really doing well with the, its own standalones ever since Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman was the, the platform of being a great standalone superhero movie, obviously because it was the first 
woman centric but now we have aquaman and that's man centric uh, mm-hmm. right now but i thought it was really good i'm sorry i'm not into men so i didn't find jason momoa sexy or anything but he's <laughs> a great looking guy but all the women i obviously flocked to that movie and a lot of women we know but great for them but I thought it was very entertaining overall between the comedy, the story itself, definitely the action in it, the cinematography. The imagery was great based upon that, you know. And the the costumes were a bit interesting because they, they go very much kind of on the classic. You get to see that classic Aquaman suit. Like it, like Steve said before, this is a little bit spoilery. So at the very end, you do get to see that, that cartoonish Aquaman suit, but... It looks really great on the screen on him. It doesn't look like the blonde-haired Aquaman we saw in the Super Friends. But uh, same as with Black Manta and Black Manta, they actually give him a background and how he became to be. And he's not even the central villain in it. He just becomes another part of it. And I hope they make it because, oh, I would love to buy that Funko Pop when it comes (laughs) out because... It just reminds me of my childhood being born in the 70s and watching Super Friends on uh, Saturday mornings uh, every Saturday. I was like, oh, wow, because, you know, back at the Legion of Doom and then you see, uh, <laughs> you know, Black Man and all the rest of the guys. The com- comic element was there, but the visuals were superb. They were great. Where else are we going to see sharks with freaking lasers, man? <laughs> you know, <laughs> not to pun uh, an Austin Powers movie, but... They did, and you had, you know, seahorses in there. You had all these different animals. You got the whales. They put a pun against Pinocchio in it, (laughs) and uh, Blake Lively was really cool in it. Uh, I love Dolph Lundgren. He was actually in it. He was one of the kings of the colony in the sea. Oh, wow. Jason Momoa was a great character in itself as Aquaman. Nicole Kidman was his mother in the movie, but this wasn't as cartoony as you would think. So, obviously, it did very well for itself. A lot of people were starting to be on that I hated Justice League because we still have that taste in our mouth. But I thought Justice League was entertaining. This was overall entertaining to me. Uh, It it really captivated me, and I was surprised and shocked. It was like 2 hours and 27 minutes. And that's a pretty long movie Mm -hmm. for a superhero movie. And now, mind you... We're going to get an even longer one when Endgame comes out, and it's probably (laughs) going to be about three hours. But uh, I I thought it it actually captivated me, wanted me to watch it. Who was Green Goblin? I forget, in the first Spider-Man movie. Uh, Willem Dafoe. He was in it. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, Willem Dafoe was in it. And I was just like, wow. And he's getting up there in years, too. Yeah, yeah. So, but... He he was a great character as well, and there, like I said, there's a, a lot of comedic aspects in it. So I, I was entertained, and I would definitely watch it again. When it comes out on digital download to purchase, I'm there for it. I would definitely get it, get it on Blu-ray and get the digital copy as well, you know. But uh, I would definitely recommend it. I'm Usually I'm the one that's not into DC-style movies for comics, but uh, I I do recommend it. You know, that's why it's making a ton of money. <laughs> well, good. You got a quote from Aquaman. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the Aquaman quote I have is from Arthur himself. How is it that I can breathe water, but you can still drink me under the table? And he says this to his father. And his father goes, 
that is my superpower. <laughs> and his father is human. So it's pretty is that, funny. Uh, Dennis Quaid, is that right? No, no, no. no. Uh, who played no. his father? Uh, I believe he looks a lot like the guy who played uh, Django Fett. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. He, he's he definitely Maori. The, okay. the guy who uh, who played him. So uh, definitely somebody who is. Uh, I don't know why I thought Dennis Quaid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would think, right? <laughs> Sorry. No, no. <laughs> but uh, we we get a nice scene after that, which is pretty funny, though. Uh, the moment after that, we we see uh, a bunch of bikers come up to Arthur and ask him if he's the fish boy. He goes, "You mean fish man?" <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah, you're the one they call Aquaman." And they're all tough and rowdy, and then the guy kind of goes and goes, then he asks him, uh, can I take a picture with you? Like a bunch of fanboys. Nice. And he goes, yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, don't touch me. And then <laughs> next thing you know, it's like a collage, almost like uh, after uh, in the movie The Hangover, you see a bunch of pictures come up, and, uh-huh. and it's like him like uh, arm wrestling the guys. They're all drunk. One guy's passed out. He's got one guy over his shoulder and stuff like that. It's pretty funny, though. It's funny to get those little cute little segues inside it in the movie. And, you know, I Marvel does that from time to time. But this was a little bit more extreme. But I think DC hit it with a little bit more of the comedic element. A little bit more on the fantasy side with, like, the animals within the water. But I, I think, like I said, overall the movie was, it was pretty cool. I thought. I had a good fun. So, uh, on Comic Talk... Uh, what I got, basically, I spoke to Jerry Ordway. Uh, he is a Superman artist that lives locally near me. He actually did the Superman or Action Comics 1000 last year. He uh, drew in it, and he did one of the covers. So we had a conversation about Shazam and about the new trailer that dropped and how, in the very beginning, I was a little bit skeptical. He said, yeah, it was a little bit weird. And then now we're starting to see, and he goes, yeah, um, he goes, they got the comedy in there pretty much like Aquaman, and now they got, you know, they got this, and he goes, I think it really captures the idea of who Billy Batson is and who Shazam is. Yeah, the trailer, the trailer looks really good. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, so both of us wanted to see the movie once we saw the new trailer that just dropped, plus we can't wait for Detective Comics 1000 to come out. Uh, like I said before, Jerry did the art for uh, Action Comics 1000. So those these are two that DC has done. Marvel has been reissuing or redoing their issues. Like with Spider-Man, they, they ended it and then they restarted again. Like Amazing Spider-Man and stuff like that. DC has kept these going. So now uh, we're getting like 10 different variants of detective comics 1000 and it's an official release and that's coming out in march and i can't wait for that to come out so it's amazing batman who laughs number two came out this week uh i just read it a really great plot twist in it and i really do suggest uh so no what is that one about is that an alternative batman who's the joker also or it's basically uh if you think about with marvel they have different uh different dimensions Mm -hmm. or or universes basically think of batman who's the extremist who goes completely dark he's got a uh, visor that has like spikes on it and he's got shredded and shredded teeth and he just goes 
he's basically killing people and hmm. who are doing bad. And he just goes to the extremes, whereas Batman has, uh, in this kind of world, uh, which is the original Batman, if you think about it, he is the one that brings people to justice. So where we last left off, where, spoilers if you didn't read the comic, you got to read it. Definitely read it. Well, yeah, no, no, hold up, because I want to. I'm this sounds interesting to me, so I may check it out and see if I can. But I just wanted to see what it was. So it's an alternate, it's an alternative universe, like an alternate universe Batman. Yeah, that comes into Batman's universe and uh, is taking action upon himself. Oh, okay. And he gets in, and the the real Batman from that universe gets infected with uh, Joker's laughing gas. And I I won't go into how that happens because that's the ender. But uh, then uh, this new one picks up, and there you, you think something happened, and at come halfway through the comic, you're like, "What? Way? Whoa! That's a different plot. <laughs> it's just changed." So it captivated me, and I'm not really much of a DC comic person, but this is definitely one, just like Doomsday Clock is for me too. So I definitely recommend it to for those people that are interested because it's a different take on the Batman series. Sounds like so. it. Yeah, so uh, this was fun. We actually got to talk about movies that we uh, saw in the theaters, and that's current. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love this idea. So we'll get to do that soon with Marvel stuff. (laughs) So that way we could pepper it in with what we have for uh, the regular Netflix watches. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, should we go into what what we're looking for next week? Definitely. So next week we will re- begin our review of Punisher season two. The whole season has dropped. If you're not aware, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are aware. And, uh, but we are going to do two episodes a week. So next week, the deadline for feedback will be January 31st. And uh, we'll be doing the first two episodes of Punisher season two. Mark will be watching a little bit ahead. I don't know if he's going to watch the whole thing. Uh, oh, I'll be there. <laughs> he's going to have a perspective of the whole season, whereas I'm going to uh, to stay with just the two episodes a week to kind of keep that in focused uh, into just those two episodes and and still kind of be in the dark as to where the the series is going. Uh, I'm excited. I uh, I'm I'm really really excited. I love Josh Stewart. He was a recurring character on a show, Criminal Minds, that I really enjoy. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, our cast of characters come back. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing a different aspect of The Punisher. Oh, definitely. I'm about four and a half episodes in. I'm going to watch the rest of episode five and then go on to six tonight i've not been binging it like all the way through like i have been in the past i've been trying to let it soak in which is pretty cool so i'll have it done by the end of the week but my recommendation to everybody else we've gotten some feedback on the facebook page so if you want to submit any feedback like that for the first two episodes of punisher season two Please do so. Just leave them right on there. I I left a few posts recently. You can just throw them on there. We'll read them as they come. I believe I put up a cool picture of John Berntel as the Punisher standing out there in the middle (laughs) of open daylight with a bloody Punisher vest on and with a gun in hand. And it's 
focused in on him and everything was all blurred out. I thought that was a great shot, whoever took that. So throw it on there, and a lot of people have already. A couple of friends of ours. If you guys could do so, that would be awesome. We'll read them out. We'll give our commentary on it, and we'll go from there, man. Yeah. Uh, So to submit your feedback to us, you can go to our Facebook group that Mark was just talking about, which is www.facebook.com slash panels to pixels. Or you can email us at panels to pixels one at gmail.com. That's uh, panels to pixels two to spelled out and the number one at gmail.com. Send us a voicemail. We'll play your voicemail on uh, on the uh, the podcast as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have the capability. If you email it to us, I'm able to play it. So where else can listeners hear us, Steve? Well, you can hear me uh, right here, of course, and I send in various feedback to uh, Podcastica and Next Level uh, Online, Next Level Radio Online Network Podcast, as well as I was just on a roundtable discussion for the Star Trek Discovery Talk Through, which is hosted by Brian Malosh, and I send feedback to them as well, and uh, he and Ruthie are doing a great job of of uh, hosting that, of doing that uh, podcast, and that is on uh, Golden Spiral Media, which, uh, Mark, don't you have a show on Golden Spiral also? Oh, yeah, I do. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I am the co-host on The Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. Uh, as we said last week, I, we're still gearing up. We're seeing all these things about The Walking Dead, so if you have feedback for The Walking Dead, go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash walking dead talk through leave it there or go through our facebook page which would be the walking dead talk throughs and that you know could easily be searched you could actually find it through here because i'm linked (laughs) so uh definitely throw any uh ideas and thoughts you have on there the more the merrier uh, we are we are waiting for February to come, and we're getting a ton of trailers and a ton of little splashes from AMC, and we're looking forward to The Walking Dead. Very cool. I'm looking forward to The Walking Dead coming back. I'm looking forward to uh, getting the chance to guest spot on a couple of other podcasts uh, out there, fingers crossed, and uh, I'll have more about that when I when I get confirmation of those things. Awesome. Definitely. You'll get to hear more of Steve. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll hear a little bit more of me come next month. So, with that, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.